I'm Aubrey Henderson. I'm a recovering people pleaser turned self-worth coach, here to help you befriend your inner critic, break up with people pleasing, and reconnect with your desire. Every week, I share my answers to your questions, live coaching sessions, interviews, and more to help you reconnect with your self-worth. Have you ever felt stuck in your life and just needed a really fucking good pep talk? Well, babe, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, babes, welcome to this week's episode. This week, I want to talk about something that not only have I talked with, I think, every single client that I've met with in the past week about, but also that's been coming up a lot for me personally in my own growth and healing. And yes, the people that you learn from and the people that you look to to support you in your own journey and your own healing and your own development and evolution, those people are working on their own shit too, (laughs) me very much included, as you know, I'm pretty open about it here. And so this is something that has, you know, it's really personal for me. That's been coming up for me a lot lately. And so, you know, just to jump right into it, as you know, as we've talked about, as you are healing your self-worth in particular, this is something that comes up, you know, for a lot of different, you know, issue areas and challenges that people might be struggling with or working on. But as you know, I specialize in self-worth. And for folks who struggle with self-worth or who are trying to work on their self-worth, we often struggle with automatic thoughts. So, or, you know, like an inner critic narrative is another thing that I will often call this, right? So these are the thoughts that come up for you automatically when you are kind of going through your day and the things that will sort of stop you and sabotage you in whatever it is you're trying to do. So to use a more concrete example, you know, when we feel the need to, you know, kind of compulsively reach out to a partner to get them to pay attention to us when they're, you know, needing space or alone time, that isn't coming from nowhere, right? That is a response to sort of an inner critic voice or an automatic thought that we're having. And often that is a self-critical thought. That's usually the nature of the inner critic, right? Is it's a it's a self-critical thought or a fear-based thought of some kind. So take a second while you're listening to me talk about this and think about what that is for you. What is the automatic thought that comes up for you? And just to throw out some that are pretty common that, you know, a lot of people that I've spoken with and that I've worked with have struggled with, there's, you know, the narrative of someone's going to find me out. I'm not worthy. Somebody is, you know, going to reject me. What if they reject me? What if, you know, I don't show up and do the right thing? Well, they're going to reject me. Or they're going to abandon me. Or I don't deserve the things that I have, so the other shoe is going to drop. It's all going to go wrong and the rug's going to be pulled out from under me, right? Or, you know, I can't do this. I can't reach whatever goal it is that I'm working toward and I'm just deluding myself into believing that I can. These self-defeating thoughts that come up, these often, you know, these really nagging thoughts or things that that pop up. And obviously, if we could control them and if we could just, you know, press the pause button on them, we would have done that already. Right. If we could just one of my least favorite things that um, the people like to suggest when someone is is struggling with the inner critic voice in particular is to say, oh, just think more positively. That's not. So if, if that's the kind of shit that you say to people, I, I want you to stop. It's not helpful. 
um, to just tell someone to think more positively. It's like telling somebody who is really anxious and overwhelmed and struggling to just calm down. It is not useful. (laughs) You are not helping. Stop it. But I think it's, you know, I am somebody who, of course, is an advocate for reprogramming our narratives about ourselves, right? Rewriting a different story, telling yourself a different story. I am all for, you know, loading up on a mantra or positive affirmations that, you know, you're continually choosing to send yourself positive messages. I do think we have choice there, right? Like I do think that there are things that we can do that are more positive. But that doesn't mean, and this is the key, this is what the thing that's been rattling around in my brain for the past week is that that doesn't mean that those automatic thoughts are going to just go away, right? I think we think about positive thinking and we're like, oh, we just, we replace the negative thought with the positive one and then we're only going to think the positive thoughts and the negative thoughts are never going to come back. That's not how it works. And yeah, I will say maybe there's someone out there who's like, no, 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 I was able to successfully do this and now I don't ever think a negative or self-critical or harsh thought about myself ever. If that's you, reach out to me. I'd I'd like to talk to you. But for most people, those thoughts are still going to come up. That is still, still going to come up. And I also want to give the caveat as I'm walking. I'm walking around the house right now (laughs) while I'm recording this because my apartment is relatively quiet. It's the middle of the day and I'm so energized around this that Normally, I'm sitting stationary in a very quiet room, but instead, I have all of this kind of like kinetic energy in my body around this. So I'm walking around my apartment. So if you're hearing any creaking noises or, you know, maybe some um, some puppy footsteps or maybe a happy child voice in the background, you know why. But these thoughts are still likely going to come up even years into your healing. And I don't say that to discourage you. I don't say that to, you know, have you feel like, oh, I'm never going to move past this. I'm never going to figure this out. I'm never going to heal from this. That's not what I mean. But these thoughts, no matter where you are on your journey, these thoughts are likely to come up. These are thoughts that are, you know, have been baked into you often from like very early in your life. You know, I talk to a lot of clients who who can trace these kind of inner critic messages back to actual things that were said to them very early in life, often in childhood, right? Or in, you know, a very formative, you know, interpersonal relationship in their life. These are things that we've been carrying with us for a long time. So, you know, working with a coach for a couple of months and doing some, you know, reframing and and narrative work and story work and, you know, shifting your self-orientation to be more positive, those things are going to be helpful, but they're not going to make that voice just magically disappear and go away. And again, I hope that doesn't discourage you to be like, well, I'm not, I'm just not going to seek any support for it then. Because I don't think the goal is ever for it to completely go away. And I say that as somebody who, you know, I've been open about this here. I've been, I've been engaged in some kind of like externalized support for my self-confidence, mental health, relational wellness for about a decade at this point. And you know, really been active in this very specific sort of self-worth healing journey for about seven years now. And I still have the automatic thoughts. I still have them. And all week, I was just talking to my wife today, actually, but all week this week, it has been, and really maybe more than just this week, has been 
they've been kind of deafening. Um, <laughs> they've been coming up really loud, these sort of automatic, low self-worth thoughts. And I was telling my wife this morning that, you know, yesterday I spent a big chunk of my day with a dear friend of mine. And I didn't expect to be gone for the entire day. I went out to run an errand. I was in my friend's neighborhood. I said, hey, are you free to get a coffee? And then seven hours later, you know, we're like sitting outside at a bar having a drink, like just having a great time. Like in one of those times that like time slips away from you because you're having so much fun. And I immediately come home and feel this tremendous amount of guilt. And this is not guilt that is imposed on me by anyone else, right? I have, I mean, my wife is amazing. She is, and you know, of course, she's not perfect. None of us are. But she is so supportive of me doing whatever it is that I need to do to help myself feel joy and help myself feel replenished and knowing that I'm with my kids during the week, that I am the primary person managing remote school and, you know, all of that, and that I also really benefit from a little bit of time away from our apartment, she is happy to support that. And I came home after that period of time, and we had communicated the whole time that I was still out, and if she needed me to come home, I would. And she was like, no, stay. And I came home, and she was like, it's great to see you. Did you have fun? There's no guilt being applied to me, right? And I'm someone who has done all of this work to really ingrain within me the belief in myself. And I do have this belief, right, that I deserve pleasure. I deserve joy. I deserve to have fun experiences. And still, still I come home and I have this automatic thought that comes up for me that is, oh my gosh, you should feel guilty because you you didn't deserve to have all of that time away. You didn't deserve to, you know, get to go have fun with your friends while your wife had to be home. You didn't deserve all of that kind of rest. And, you know, you're also planning to go run an errand that you're excited about tomorrow and be out of the house. Like, maybe you shouldn't do that now because you don't deserve that. This is the tape that plays for me, right? There is a tape that plays for me that has played for me all my life around things where I feel like, I'm experiencing a lot of joy, a lot of pleasure in a situation, and that must mean I'm taking something away from someone else. And this is a powerful part of my story, right? This is something that's just infused into everything. And it that shows you pretty clearly why for years and years, I sort of adapted that into this people pleaser mentality. That okay, I you know I can experience some fun and joy in my life, but I better be overcompensating with that and making sure that other people have that times ten, right? And that if I'm going to experience joy, I have to make sure that I'm ensuring that other people have that that same amount of joy or more, and that me feeling joy and pleasure and prioritizing that for myself is taking away my ability to provide that for other people. It's a scarcity mentality, right? It's a, it's clearly this belief that there's like not enough joy and a, a abundance and pleasure to go around, which there absolutely is. And I'm here I am, somebody who, again, has been engaged in this work, who's very familiar with my own automatic thoughts and with my own kind of narratives I have about myself, stories I tell myself. And still, this is popping up for me. And thankfully... 
you know, I'm at a place in my in my own work and in my relationship with my wife that I'm able to say like, hey, I just want you to know, like, if I'm acting like squirrely or weird, it's because I'm, you know, I'm having this sort of guilt response to having been out for so long yesterday. And to which she, of course, responded, oh, my God, it was fine that you were out. Like, I'm good. We had a good day here. Like, totally not a big deal. And I'm able to name that for her and, you know, say, well, I'm then I feel guilty. You know, the story I tell myself is that, you know, actually you're upset and you're not telling me and all of these things to which, you know, again, we're able to talk about it. And her response is like, I'm a grown ass woman. I'm an adult. And if I'm upset, I'm going to let you know. And if I'm not upset and I'm telling you that, I need you to be able to trust me. And being able to externalize that and say that to her and have that conversation, one, not only is 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 helpful in that we're we're actually speaking it out loud, whereas, you know, previously, if I'm telling myself a story about what she's thinking, but her voice isn't actually in the conversation, there's no way to actually confirm what's really going on. And it's all just a thought experiment that's playing out in my mind, causing me anxiety And she doesn't actually get to have a say in it when it's really assumptions I'm making about her. So putting it out there actually confirms and does soothe that anxiety for me and hearing it from her mouth like, no, this is okay. But what that also does is it helps me to exert power over what I can in that situation, which, as we've said, is not necessarily to erase those automatic thoughts. I think those aren't those aren't going away for me and they come up louder in moments where, and I think you'll find this too, you know, wherever you are in your own journey of, or awareness of this stuff is that those automatic thoughts, those negative thoughts, the inner critic voice, those things will come up and they'll be louder in moments when you are experiencing particular stress or when, you know, you're not having a great week with your mental health or you've got other stuff going on and those thoughts are coming out as a self-protective response, right? Right. And you're going to notice that, you know, even if you are able to replace those thoughts with something more positive or more constructive or more aligned with how you want to be and show up in the world, those thoughts are still going to come up. And the work is really not and never is right. The work, even from the beginning with a brand new client who's new to figuring this out, something that I will say and something I've said to people this week in sessions, whether they're new clients, whether, you know, they're clients I've been working with for months or even, you know, one client I've been working with close to a year. The goal is not to mute those thoughts or get rid of them or, you know, hope that we can just totally ditch and erase that part of our story, that part of our narrative, that part of, you know, that fear, Right, because that's really what it is. is There's always a fear underneath that that we're trying to self-protect against or compensate for. But the goal is really to develop a different process for how we respond to those thoughts, right? It's not to turn them off, but it's to be able to respond to them differently. So for example, I have a client who, you know, really struggles with, these kind of self-defeating negative thoughts at work. And, you know, there's the thought that when this client makes a mistake, there's a ton of anxiety around the mistake. There's a, a somatic response, right? There's sweating. There's, you know, feeling hot. There's, um, you know, feeling physically antsy and shaking, right? There's a, there's a whole somatic response that happens. And then there's an immediate 
cognition of I'm, you know, I'm going to be fired. Maybe I deserve to be fired. Um, you know, they're going to find me out that I actually don't know what I'm doing. These sort of really, really negative and self-critical, self-judgmental thoughts. And thoughts that, you know, talking to this client are not not accurate or, you know, correctly sized to the situation. These are not, you know, sometimes people make mistakes at work that are large enough and have enough intensity of implication or are, you know, have been repeated enough times that, yeah, maybe the thought of I might be fired is adaptive because you need to address the situation and the seriousness accordingly. But for these mistakes that this client is making, this is for every small mistake, right? This is a voice that comes up if there's a typo in an email, right? If the anything that comes up for this client, there is that anxiety. And what I'm working with this particular person on and what I work with any client on who has these sort of this self-defeating narrative is not to stop the thought. Because I think if we try to suppress it, and if we try to stop it, we're going to be let down and disappointed. But also, it's not really about the thought. It's not the thought that ends up being distressing and disruptive. You know, the, my client will share, like, I believe that what they said was like, this is so exhausting, which is what a lot of my clients share about their experiences. They come into coaching because the way that they're currently existing doesn't feel good and often is tiring. There's a lot of emotional energy being exerted in a place that they don't want it to be going. And, you know, so this is exhausting. But when we really drill into it, what's exhausting is not having the automatic thought necessarily. It's not the thought that's coming up or that inner critic narrative or whatever the case may be. It's how we respond. And for this client, the way to respond to that thought is to grossly overcompensate for the error that was made. A small error is made and this this person will go way over the top to really um, correct that mistake and not to simply like, there was a typo. You know, I'm using a fake example, but like, oh, there was a typo. Um, so I'll, I'll correct the typo and send the email and then it's it feels fixed. But that doesn't feel like it does it, right? It feels like there's the need to, to overcompensate in huge ways that are draining on time, resources, energy, because we so badly feel the need to prove that statement wrong with our actions, right? That I deserve to be fired. Everyone's going to find me out. We want to correct for that with a behavior or an action that is often really draining and is disruptive and is not how we want to show up. And so with, you know, if you're a people pleaser and you feel like you want to make sure that, you know, the worst fear is people being mad at you and rejecting you and cutting you out of their life. And so the response to that is not, let me be mindful in my relationship so I can, you know, check in with people about how they're feeling and you know, that that might be an appropriately sized response to that fear. Oh, I, I want to remain in relationship with people, so let me nurture my relationships. But the response of the people pleaser is that there is such deep fear, and the response to that automatic thought is to overcompensate, to not only, yes, want to be in relationship with people in a way that feels good for everybody, that your friends feel cared for, that your loved ones know that you love them, but to really go over the top to demonstrate that. And not only that, but to become so fixated on what everyone else needs and keeping everyone else happy that you leave your own needs behind along the way, right? And that's the part that's exhausting about this, is the response to the thought. 
And if you look at it now, as I've, you know, developed the skill and the ability over time, which is still, to be clear, a work in progress, no one that you, but just just FYI, no one that you follow or that you learn from um, about anything related to like self-care, self-love, mental health, personal growth, everyone is still fucking figuring it out. Just FYI. I I have been figuring it out for a long time, have learned a lot of things along the way, have been through some helpful educational experiences that allow me to support people with this uniquely. But that does not mean that I do not struggle. That does not mean that your favorite, you know, motivational speaker or Instagram therapist or self-help author doesn't fucking struggle with things too. So just FYI, I say this as somebody who has spent a lot of years learning and spent a lot of years developing my skills, but I just really feel the need to name that explicitly. I don't have it all figured out for myself. I have pretty frequent bad days. You can ask my like inner circle of like closest three or four people and they will tell you that your girl has some rough days with this shit. So don't have it all figured out, but I have learned some shit along the way. And one of those things is that the ability to recognize the thought and the fact that it is a thought is key, right? To recognize that that thought that you're having isn't just the truth. (laughs) And that's often the place that I start with my coaching clients is to recognize what those inner critic narratives are. When you are in that place where you are experiencing kind of the the people-pleasing behavior or the self-defeating behavior or the ways that you're deprioritizing yourself, looking at what the thought is underneath that that comes up for you, what that inner critic voice is saying and what it sounds like, and recognizing first what that thought even is, and then understanding that that thought is just that. It's just, it's a thought. And yes, it's that's not to diminish it, right? It feels real in that moment. And especially when it's something that is that you've repeated to yourself or has been repeated to you by someone else, often for years and years, right? You're really, it's automatic because you've embodied it. Because it is part of your programming and it is part of the way you move through the world and what you carry through the world with you. But that doesn't make it the truth. And I think that's something that's much easier said by me, someone outside of your shoes, than it is for it to be truly integrated and embodied within you, right? But that you're recognizing that you have these thoughts. You're recognizing that this stuff is coming up for you, which is why you're listening to this and hopefully you're, you're thinking of this through the lens of whatever your inner narrative is. Often what feels so distressing is we experience it as something that is true or that could be true. And so then we really put just a lot of energy into trying to solve for it as if it is true. And the work is not necessarily to make that thought go away, but it's to think about how we respond differently. What if instead of hearing, you know, the inner critic voice say, you know, you're terrible and you're going to be fired today. And so we feel like we need to way overcompensate and we need to, you know, 
interpret everything that our manager says to us as, you know, oh my God, it's a sign I'm about to get fired. And we go through our day just so hyper aware and so fixated on this that we exhaust ourselves by the end of the day. What if instead you were able to have that thought and recognize like, ugh, you know, okay, I'm I'm telling myself the story that I'm going to get fired today. And just literally took that moment. I mean, that is a place to start, right? To take that moment of pause to just recognize that as a thought you are having. As an, you know, something that is a cognition that your my inner critic voice is telling me I'm going to get fired today. Ooh, my my inner critic voice is telling me today that I didn't deserve that time away from my family that I got yesterday. And so I'm feeling some guilt about that, right? My inner critic voice is telling me that if I want to go out on a walk today, that my partner is going to get upset with me. And I have choices about how I respond to that. And to recognize that it's just a thought first, it allows me to say, okay, this isn't necessarily the truth. Do I maybe want to explore it to make sure it's not the truth? Sure, that could be an option. For me, it often is. It helps me to then say, okay, hey, wife, whose thoughts I'm, <laughs> my inner critic is trying to read, right? Like to say to her, hey, I'm, I'm telling myself this story and I just wanted to check with you. Is this tr- like, is there any part of you that feels resentful or upset about me being away yesterday? Her response, absolutely not. No, it's great. I'm so glad to, that you did that. Okay. Um, I'm also having some worry, again, nothing about you, but like for me, I'm having some worry that, you know, I want to get out and go for another walk today, but I'm worried that, you know, I was out too long yesterday and that that might be frustrating to you, but I wanted to check with you. No, it's not frustrating me at all. That's great. Like, let's talk about timing so I can also work out today, but like, yeah, of course. The ability to make different choices about how we respond, my other choice... (laughs) I could have just ruminated on that all day. I could have decided to not go for my walk. That's going to be great for my mental health, y'all. Like, I'm looking out the window right now and it's gorgeous outside. I could have robbed myself of the opportunity to go and enjoy that simply because I'm following a thought that is rooted entirely in my inner critic and not in my lived reality or experience right now. And... I can choose to respond to that differently. I could choose to live my entire day today in anxiety about something that happened yesterday instead of having the conversation with the person who I know can help to alleviate that anxiety for me and say, no, like I'm I'm totally fine if you were away yesterday, right? You know, if you're worried about how things are going at work, this might sound like a wild idea, Could you have a conversation with your supervisor about your performance and wanting to understand like, hey, I would love, you know, would love to hear what's going well and where you think I could improve. I know for a lot of people that's like a a scary proposition and that it can feel really fraught and I get that. But that is also a way that you can always choose to respond, right? You can dig deeper and get more data points because your brain is probably not operating with the best data from a place of fear. So how can you add more data points to show yourself that, you know, okay, this thought that I'm having is just a thought and it's rooted in a fear that is real, that is valid. But how can I respond to that in a way that actually alleviates the thing that I'm stressed about that actually tethers me into reality Versus just letting that thought run amok and kind of derail my entire day. I hope that's helpful. 
to someone who's listening to this right now who is, you know, struggling with that, you know, my um, dear friend and I call it anxious bunny brain that just kind of like really, really gets carried away and is just hopping along and can kind of carry you along with it and and take your entire day off track. If you've if you've got the anxious bunny brain happening, tune in to what it's telling you and connect with what it's telling you and recognize that it's a thought and that your experience that it comes from totally valid. The things, the messages that you've received and the fact that you've internalized them because you've had to, totally valid. But also your ability to empower yourself to choose a different response and to take a step back from the thought, recognize that it's a thought, and decide how you're going to move forward, also totally valid. I hope you have an amazing week. I think you're amazing. I hope you think so too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or a review, and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one. I love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy, worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things. So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about. You can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson. And I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty rad. Or you can send a good old fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time, babes.